Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. So we're coming to the end of our series on developing great people. And uh, the reason we're talking about this is because my desire for you as your pastor is that you would know that being great is not just for some or for the elite. It's not just for those that are highly gifted or somehow uh, specially selected that, no, listen to this, that all of us that are in Christ are called to be great where God placed us. That God has bought you through the, through the blood and the life of his son and he did not purchase you so that you could be mediocre. He purchased you so that you could be great. And in being great, you don't become arrogant. You don't um, shine the light on yourself. But you point and you give all the glory to God. So we've been talking about the qualities, the characteristics of someone that is great. Let me give you a quick review for those of you that haven't been here. The first week we spoke that great people surrender completely to the Lord. Nothing great is achieved without commitment. Nothing. You will not have a great marriage unless you're committed to it. You will not have a great career unless you're committed to it. You will not have great friendships unless you're committed to it. And listen to me. Nothing has more value. Nothing is more worthy of our commitment than Jesus Christ. And great people completely commit to Jesus Christ. The second characteristic of a great person is that a great person takes on the greatest journey. And that is the journey of spiritual growth, of spiritual maturity. The Bible says that, that, that training for godliness has benefits in all things. And that as we become more mature, every area of our life improves. And then we also said that great people are filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That their lives are empowered by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And they are empowered <clears throat> to live a victorious life. And last Sunday, we said that great people serve others according to their shape. According to the unique way God created them. Great people are not consumers. Great people seek to bless others. And today, we come to the fifth characteristic of great people. And that is that great people invest their lives. Great people invest their lives. Can we pray? And then we'll continue. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your presence. Lord, I know you are here because you promised to be here. You said that where two or three gathered in your name, you would be there. And you are in this place. And we have come with needs. We have come with questions. We have come with problems. But most importantly, Lord, we have come with a need of your presence, with a need of your touch in our lives. And I pray that as we go into your word, that your spirit would fill us, that you would transform us, and that you would lead us in our truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. A tombstone contains a date of birth 
a date of death, and a dash. And above these things, you're going to find the name of the deceased and usually some kind of statement. But the main part in a tombstone is not so much the birth or the death, but the dash. And one day, we're going to stand before God, and God is going to know, he's going to want to know what we did with the dash. What we did while we were born and between the time we were born and the time we died. He's going to want to know what we did to bring him glory. He's going to know what we did with what he gave us. And that is why today I want to talk to you about the importance of investing your life. The Bible has a lot to say about investing. Did you know that God has given everyone something to invest? God calls us to invest our lives, our gifts, our possessions. The Bible says that not only has God given us something to invest, but he expects all of us to invest. He, he's not going to want you to reach heaven and say, well, Lord, here's what you gave me. He's going to say, Lord, he's going to want you to say, Lord, here's what you gave me and here's what I did with it. But the Bible also teaches us that we are to invest, invest wisely and ethically. That we are to be wise about we do it. And it also says this, and this is really important. This, this, this drives me. That our ability to invest determines how much God gives us to invest. Because God is not into wasting resources. And it is, see, because sometimes we ask God to give us more, but he can't give us more because we don't have the ability to manage what we're asking him to do. So what we need to ask God is for wisdom. And, and, and I just say, Lord, would you give me a better paycheck? But say, Lord, would you give me wisdom to manage my finances correctly? We say, Lord, would you, would you heal me? And a lot of times what we need to ask is, Lord, would you give me wisdom to take care of my health better? See, our ability determines what God can give us. But here's another big important thing the Bible teaches about investing. And that is that how we invest and what we invest will be rewarded in heaven. And I don't know if you have investments in the stock market or in some area. Lorraine and I, we have a few investments, not a lot of, not a lot of money, so I'm not worth kidnapping, okay? Um, <clears throat> but the best investment is not the one that gives you a return here on earth. The best investment is the one that gives you a return here on earth and in heaven. And yes, that is possible. It's possible to, to invest our lives, to invest what God has given us in such a way where there is a profit here on earth, but there's also a profit when we reach heaven. In fact, look at what Jesus said right there in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Look at what he says. Don't, don't hoard what? Treasures down here. Where's down here? Earth. Here's why. Where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust. Or worst, stolen by burglars. When I, when I first bought my first car, it was a, it was a 1992 Honda Civic hatchback. And, 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 it, and it, was, it was an old beat up car. And I had a good job at that time and I worked hard to paint it, to fix it, to, to buy a new stereo. I, I, I did all kinds of work. You know, you know how horrible it felt to wake up in the morning and have your stereo stolen? You know how horrible it felt to wake up and, and know that somebody went into your car and took your stuff? 
It's a horrible feeling, right? That's what Jesus is saying. Hey, why would you store stuff down here when it can get stolen? All right. Look at what he says. Stockpile treasure. Where? In heaven. Where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. Listen to this. This is so powerful. It's, ob- it's obvious, isn't it? And for many people, it's not obvious what Jesus is going to say. The place where your treasure is, is the place you will want to be and end up being. There is an investment. There is a way you can invest that will yield a profit here on earth. But there's a way you can invest that will yield a profit, not just here on earth, but most importantly, in heaven. Now, let me tell you what the key is to investing your life correctly. Here's the key. It's one word. Stewardship. If you don't know what a steward is, let me tell you what a steward is. Stewardship is somebody who is in charge of something that doesn't belong to him, but to somebody else. And that is what the Bible teaches us. That everything we have doesn't belong to us. My kids don't belong to me. They belong to the Lord. They are a gift from the Lord. My talents do not belong to me. They were a gift from God. My money, as much as I have to work for it, does not belong to me. It belongs to the Lord. And when you, when you adopt the mindset of a steward, and a steward is an administrator, he's not an owner, he administrates what belongs to somebody else. When you become a good steward, that is going to lead you to, to investing things properly. And good stewardship is going to be praised in heaven, and it's going to have great rewards in heaven. Look at what Matthew 25, 21 says. This is Jesus speaking. He says, the master dancer... You did right. You are a good servant who can be what? Trusted. You did well with that small amount of money, so I will let you care for much greater things. Come and share my happiness with me. Listen, everything we have belongs to God. Everything we have. And God is going to want to know. He's going to want us to give an account of what we did with what he gave us. And if we steward it well, we will have great rewards in heaven. So I want to talk to you about three things that great people invest here on earth that have reward for them here on earth, but also in heaven. Number one, you can fill this out in your outline. To make the greatest investment... You have to invest your time wisely. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But I know that if I asked you, we would all raise our hand. We all have a time problem, don't we? Don't we feel like we have too much, too many things to do at the end of our day? Like our day was too short. Sometimes Lorena will ask me when I come home, how was your day? And I said, too short. It's just too short. Time flies for me. Look at what the Bible says in Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. So be careful how you live. Make the best use of your time. Now the key, listen to this. The key to using your time wisely, because we all have a problem with time, some more than others, but we all have a a problem with time. The key to using time wisely is not getting more time. You can't get more time, okay? 
You can't create an eighth day. You can't create a 25th hour. The key to using time correctly is this. It's math. Math is the answer to using time wisely. And to be more specific, subtraction is the key to using time more specifically. Look at what Psalms 90.12 says. Teach us how short our lives are so that we may become what? Wise. Wise. I'm going to tell you something personal that I don't think I had ever said up here, okay? You can't tell anybody. And you can't judge me. And no, I'm not weird. I am not uh, possessed, okay? I think it makes me wise. I often take trips to the cemetery. <laughs> this week, I took a trip to the cemetery. And now that we're in Mission Hills, I got it down the street. Let me tell you why I go. I don't go pray. I don't go. Uh, I go. I don't go to visit anybody in particular, although I know a few people that are there. But I go to get perspective. I go to get perspective, not just about life, but about heaven. And this Thursday, I was there. I took my lunch and my lunchtime. I didn't eat there. I'm not that weird. Um, I took my lunchtime. I thought you guys said you weren't going to judge me. I feel very judged right now. I'm just joking. I took my lunchtime and I went and I sat in one of the benches there and I just started reading the, 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 the tombs and, and the names and, and, and I started thinking about the reality that one day I'm going to be in one of those places. And when you think about eternity, suddenly you get perspective. And as I thought about my day coming, here's what really mattered. It mattered my relationship with the Lord. It mattered what I did while I was alive with what he gave me. It mattered how much I love my wife and how much I love my daughters. I'll tell you what didn't matter. It didn't matter what kind of car I was driving. It didn't matter what kind of house I was living in. It didn't matter what other people had done to me, but more how I had enjoyed other people around me. See, one of the problems one of the biggest problems why we don't use time wisely is because we think we will never die. We think we are eternal. It's, it's, some of you are like the guy who said, God put me on earth to do so many things and I'm so far behind that I'm never going to die. <laughs> no. Your time is going to come. And I like to visit the cemetery, not because I'm weird, but because it gives me perspective. And I said, how many of the things that I'm letting them rob my joy don't matter, wouldn't matter if I passed away today? How many of the things that I am, that, that, that I am putting maybe before the Lord or the purposes of God in my life wouldn't matter if I passed away this moment? And that's why the key to living wisely is math. And that's why Psalm says, teach us. Help us to remember how short our days are, that we may become wise. And here's, here's what it meant. And, and I don't want to be um, um, uh, pessimistic. I don't want to be sadistic. I don't want to be uh, morbid. But, but how much would your life change if you knew you only had a week left to live? Huh? Suddenly you would want to be here on Wednesday, right? Young people, 
especially young people. When we're young, we tend to think that we have all the time in the world. And we think we're always going to be young. And I just want you to look at the faces around and so that you can see that you don't always stay young. That youth is only but a stage. And one of the things that young people do, well, everybody does this, but especially young people, is that we become wasteful with our time. And the wisest man, the wisest man that lived in his time, gave, gives us the following advice. Look at what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 12.1. He says, don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say, life is not pleasant anymore here, here here's what he's saying you know what's one of the worst things that can happen to any human being to wake up one day and say what have i done with my life what did i do with my 20s what did i do with my 30s what did i do with my 40s and to look back at your life and not find any satisfaction not find any joy and when you forget God, when you say, you know, I'll get serious with God once I have kids or, or once the kids grow up, then I'll get serious. Or once I get married, I'll get serious. Listen, if you keep putting God off, you will do it stage after stage. And when you less know it, you will look back at your life and find no satisfaction. Because satisfaction comes when you worship and when you live for God. I want to give you another key, and you can write this down in your outline. I want to give you a key to investing your time well. You ready? Here it is. The key to managing your time well is obedience. Is obedience. Okay? Look at what Proverbs 3, verses 1 and 2 says. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live what? Many years, and your life will be what? satisfying listen when you obey god's word you are going to be investing your time in things that are eternal in things that matter in things that are worthwhile and that is why the key is is obeying what god is telling us and i want to tell you it's getting harder and harder to obey god's word in our society but it still holds true it is life it is the truth and it is the way and all of us, regardless of our age, if we would just obey God, our lives would be more satisfying. Listen, the most important thing you can do here on earth, the most important thing any human being can do here on earth is to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Because when you do, you receive eternal life. But the second most important thing you can do is to invest your life for your Savior. Not just to receive him and receive eternal life, but to invest your life for the one who gave it all and gave himself for you. Here's the second thing. To invest well, and I know some of you are going to cringe here, but it's okay. You got to put God first with your tithes. You got to put God first with your tithes. I used to not talk about money. Um, I maybe did it once or twice. So somebody here at church told me the following, and I believe it came from God. He said, Pastor, if you don't tell us about money, the world will tell us about money and we'll follow the world's way. So you got to know something about me and you'll learn it as you get to know me more. I don't want something from you. I want something for you. Okay? 
And I know it's a delicate topic, so I want to tell you a joke so you can ease up. <laughs> Some of you got all tense. Suddenly, you, your, your back got straight. The Lord healed you from your back suddenly. There was a man in the church who had a serious heart condition. And, and the family, his family, had just found out that one of his rich relatives had just passed away. And had left him a big inheritance. Millions and millions of dollars. But the family was concerned that since he had a heart condition, breaking the news to him would probably give him a heart attack. So they called their pastor, told him what was going on, and said, Pastor, would you help us break the news to him? So the pastor says, sure. So he approached the man after church one day and casually said to him, Jim, if you had $5 million, what would you do with them? Jim looked up and said, Pastor, if God gave me $5 million, the first thing I would do before anything else is give half of it to the church. The pastor had a heart attack. <laughs> the second thing God wants us the second thing that God has given us to invest is our money. And just as we are to use our time for eternal repercussions, so are we to use money for eternal purposes. We already read Matthew 6, 19 and 20 right there. Let's read it again. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth. So moth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal, store your treasures in heaven. And listen. God wants us to invest our money in what is going to last for eternity. And the way you invest your treasures in heaven is by investing them in his kingdom. By investing them in his church, by investing them in what matters to him. And one of the things that the Bible calls us to do is that it calls us to tithe. And if you don't know what tithing is, tithing is giving God 10% of your income. Saying, God, I recognize that everything I have is yours. And you matter so much to me that I want to give back to you. Listen, I just told you earlier, the most important thing anyone can do is to, rece is to receive Jesus and give their life to Jesus. But one of the most important things we can also do as Christians is use all of our resources to point and lead people to Jesus. And some people say, well, isn't the gospel free? Yes, it's free. But how many know that taking the gospel has a price? It has a price. You know, I really pray that our mentality would change. Because when we come to church, we want everything for free. We, everything's got to be free. We charge for something, ah, they just want my money. But you go to Disneyland, and they sell you a $15 ice cream, and you pay with joy. You even take a picture on Snapchat. <laughs> you go and you get those silly Mickey Mouse hats, right? They're like $35 and you buy one for every family member. And when you pay, you're not sad afterwards. Like, oh, I just paid $35 for a dumb hat that I'm only going to use once. No, what do you do? You take a picture. 
So why is it that when, we, when it comes to the Lord's house, why is it that when it comes to God's kingdom, why is it that when it comes to leading people to Jesus, to creating environments where people can encounter Jesus, can grow in Jesus, we become stingy? You know, you know that some people are tithing to their phone company? Yeah, you're in one of those plans where you're paying $35 a month to have a phone. You don't know it, but you're tithing. We don't complain there. See, I know I'm being a little uh, sarcastic, but, but here's what I'm trying to get you to do, okay? One day, we're going to stand before God. And one of my biggest desires is to get to heaven and know that my life served, that my resources served to lead other people to Jesus. Will you be that kind of person as well? So I want to show you this because a lot of people say, why do we have to tithe? Here's the biggest principle, okay? Deuteronomy 14.23 tells us. It's right there in your outline. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. I, I, you know I'm loving, but sometimes I have to be firm. And I'm just going to give you the bottom line. If you don't want to tithe, it's because God is not first in your life. And no, I am not hateful, and I am not angry. I'm not angry. I'm not. I'm full of joy. We're going to have a lunch after this. I'm looking forward to that. But it's the bottom line. Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, Wherever your, your treasure is, there your heart's going to be. If you, if, you, if you use your money only for fun, that's where your heart is. If you use your money just to buy possessions and beauty, that's where your heart is. And listen, when we tithe, because we, it's easy to say, God, you're the most important thing in my life. But when we tithe, is a way that we prove that God really is first in our life. Because I want to tell you something. It's not always convenient, and it's not always easy to tithe. But when we tithe, we say, I can do more with 90% and God on my side than 100% and not God's blessing in my life. Okay? God can do more with you. Some people say, I just can't afford a tithe, Pastor. I, I just don't make enough. I want to tell you this, and I really believe this. You, God could do more with your 90%. God can multiply it. God can, can, can bring blessings. And by the way, when we tithe, when we're obedient, it allows God to bless us. It puts us in a position where God can bless us. I want to give you three things that tithing reveals. You can fill these out in your outlines. Number one, tithing tests and reveals the commitment of my heart. Tithing reveals really where my heart is. I already mentioned to you, Matthew 6, 23, Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay, listen, I want to tell you something. God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need it. Okay, God can feed people through animals. God used the crow to feed the prophet. Okay, God doesn't need your money, but what he wants is your heart. And because your heart is tied to your treasures, he says, give me your treasures. See, when God has your heart, he can nurture it. He can care for it. He can bless it. And the Bible says that life stems from the heart. 
And that is why God commands us and, and, and he asks that we tithe, not because he needs our money, but because he wants our heart. And when we tithe, it reveals the commitment. It reveals where our heart really is. Here's the second thing that tithing tests and reveals. It re tests and reveals the capacity of our spiritual gifts. And for many, this is new. Luke 16, 11. Look at what it says. And if you are untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of heaven? I want to ask you a question. If I am not a good steward with the money God has given me, why would God trust me with spiritual riches? If I cannot manage money well, why would God trust me with lives? Why would God trust me with his anointing? Why would God trust me with spiritual influence? David Livingston, a missionary who served Africa from 1840 until his death, when he died, they were going to send his body back to England, his native country. But David Livingston loved Africa so much that he asked that his heart would remain in Africa. His heart was pulled out of his body and it remained in Africa and his body was sent to England. But the story tells us that when David Livingston arrived to, to Africa, he was not having success in reaching the people for the Lord. And that one day... He was summoned before one of the main elders of the largest tribe in Africa. And the tradition was that the person that was summoned by the elder had to lay his possessions before the elder. And the elder got to pick and take whatever he wanted. But in return, the elder would give that person something else. David Livingston had a weak stomach. And because he had a weak stomach, he had a little goat so that he could drink the, 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 the milk of the goat and help his delicate stomach. And he says that when he came before the elder, um, he prayed to God and he said, God, do not let him take my goat. Let him take anything else but my goat. When the elder came, he looked at David Livingston's possessions, which weren't much, and guess what he took? His goat. And in return... The elder gave them a carved stick. David Livingston was so upset, was so disappointed that other people noticed it. They noticed that he was unhappy. They noticed that something was wrong with him. One of the locals went to David Livingston and he says, you don't realize what just happened. He says, that is not just any carved stick. That is the scepter of the king. And with that scepter, you can go anywhere and ask for anything because he has just given you all authority now. And God used that instance to begin to open the way so that David Livingston could lead people to Jesus. But if we are not willing to lay everything before God and say, take what you want, why would God trust us with more? See, sometimes our ministries don't grow because we are being poor stewards with what God has already given us. And we want God to trust us with more people. We want God to give us more influence. We want God to give us more affluence. But we are being very poor stewards with what we already have. Here's the third thing that tithing tests and reveals. It reveals the condition of my maturity. 
it reveals the condition of my maturity. Giving is one of the ways you can know if you're growing spiritually. I ask, let me ask a question. Who are the most selfish human beings on earth? Not men. And not Christians, although some people would say some of the most selfish people are Christians. You know who the most selfish human beings on earth are? Babies. I own two of them. Okay? Here's their philosophy of life. Whatever you have, I want, and it's mine. Whatever I have, you cannot touch, and it only belongs to me. Isn't that how babies think? So if that, is, if that is the approach we come to God, we say, God, bless me. God, do this. God, take me there. God, give me that. But we don't ever give anything back in return to God. What does that say about our spiritual maturity? We're babies. And listen, God wants you to grow. And as we mature, as we mature, as we mature spiritually, we begin to have more appreciation of the kingdom of God. And we say, I want the house of the Lord to look nice. I want people to come and, and as a church for us to be able to offer the best that we can. You know, God has given us a beautiful building. Wouldn't you agree? God has given. You, right now, we live in times where it's so hard to find properties to start new churches. And we are blessed to have a beautiful building. But this building takes maintenance. Just this week, we had to trim the trees. We, got, we have to fix the sheds in the back. We, we, we had to fix the AC, the offices. The internet was, was horrible here. We have a check-in system for the kids that because the internet was a mess, it, some Sundays it worked and some Sundays it didn't. So we had to get a professional to come and install a network professionally, and now everything works. But I want to tell you something. I just want to speak heart to heart to you. Just because we're a church, we don't get that stuff for free. And everything that we do, the lunch that we're having after, we're doing all that to reach people for the Lord, to reach people for Christ. And, and when you are obedient to God, you enable us as a church to go after our mission, to go after what God has called us, and to do it with excellence. There's something that, that, that I always like to say, and not as a form of pride, but, but as a form of, 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 of proof. And I think you have seen in this short time that I am a generous pastor. That we as a church like to give more than we like to ask. Our cafe is free. We don't charge anybody. People have stopped being generous in the cafe and somebody said, well, let's just not give stuff anymore. People are not giving and they're just consuming. Let's just not give. And I said, no. You got to keep doing this because this is building community. This is building relationships. When you come for the first time and you had a bad night because your wife beat you up last night. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> and you come to church. Doesn't a coffee help? Doesn't walking in there and getting a little pastry help? We're a generous church. So would you help us be a generous church? by investing in the kingdom of God. Amen? Third thing. Yeah, just a few claps. The rest of you, I'm praying for you. By the way, let me say one, one last thing about tithing. 
I want you to know, I want you to know, and this is for accountability, and there's people in this room who, who can correct me, and you can do it right now if I'm wrong. I do not count our offering. I do not know who's tithing. As a pastor, I do not know. And here's why I don't want to know, because I want to treat everybody the same. And to me, what matters is you as a person, not what you have to give. Okay? So I need to know that because some of you think, if I don't tie today, the pastor's going to know that I... No, I don't know. If you feel guilty, it's the Holy Spirit talking to you. So we invest our time and we invest our, our resources. But the third thing that we invest is you invest, and you can fill this out in your outline, you invest your skills and talents for, for God. You invest your skills and talents for God. First Peter 4.10 right there in your outline says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various ways. I just, last week we dedicated a whole service to this topic, so I'm not going to be repetitive. But I just want to remind you, we all have a part to play. We all have something that we can contribute. Okay? And all I want to say is this. If you don't use what God has given you, you will lose it. Did you hear me? If you don't use what God has given you for his glory, you will lose it. You want God to give you more? Start using what God has already given you. Because as you are faithful and as you are active in using what God has given you, God will trust you with more. Look at what Matthew 25, 29 says. It says, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. I want to tell you, because I know I spoke about tithing, so, so I want to give you a financial um, tip, okay? You want God to bless your finances? Use the finances God has already given you well. If you do that, you don't even have to ask for it. Can I tell you why? God is looking for people he can bless so that he can bless other people in return. And God is not stingy. He's generous. But again, he, he is not into wasting his resources. So if you want God to bless you in any area, use what he has already given you well, and he'll give you more. Amen? Look at what he says. Let's continue reading. But those who do nothing... Okay, and bench warming is not one of the gifts God has given you. Even what little they have will be taken away. So I just want to encourage you. Dayspring is a safe place. Dayspring is a great place for you to use your gifts. And we need your gifts. So let's invest our life for what matters most. I want to give you a challenge. Is that okay? I want you... In the next month, sometime in the next month, to go to the cemetery like I did. Don't go at night. Don't be a freak. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. I, I'm done. Just would you, would you give me your attention? I just want to end with this. I want you to go. I just want you to sit there and think about life and think about heaven. And I am convinced that you will gain perspective. And that a lot of the arguments you have as a couple 
are suddenly not going to matter. Who cares if he leaves his towel there? Who cares if she puts too much salt? <laughs> suddenly, suddenly, as you sit there and you reflect and you think about the life that God has given you and you think about eternal life, you're going to realize that the bad things that people have done to you suddenly don't matter anymore. That what matters is the people in your life. And that it's not worth holding a grudge. That it's not worth holding back forgiveness. Because life is short. And suddenly, you'll get an urge to say, I better use what God gave me. And as you start investing your life, God, in return, will start making you into a great person. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you, and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Day Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.